0: So I want to thank you all again for coming here tonight and being online. And if you have looked outside at all, or if you've watched the news, you know that we are living in some interesting times, correct? You know, we're, especially for us who are believers in Christ, you know, it seems like the family is under attack. Um, it seems like we as Christian families, you know, we, we're getting hit at all different parts of either whether it's on social media or if it's in the media Or anywhere else. And so it's time for us as Christian families to stand strong in the word of God and to respond well to the troubles and the trials that we will face. So how many here deal with stress and troubles and trials in your life? Well, if nobody rose their hand, I want your life. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, is that we all live in this world, we're all a part of this world, And so we all have different stresses, we all have different problems, and we all have different uh, troubles in our lives. And it's just the nature of our life here on earth. And I was reading that there's five main stresses in everybody's life, no matter if you're a Christian or not. You have work, you have family, finances, health, and then our time management. Those seem to be like the five top things that uh, that stress us out or that are major stresses in our lives, but we can turn our stresses into strength. Um, last week, if you were here, if you watched online, Pastor talked about how to have joy in your struggles. So, if you haven't listened to the message, I encourage you to go to our website and listen to that message. And if you even heard it, or if you listened to it, or if you were here or watched it online. I encourage you to go listen to it again because it's just a great message about how to have joy in the struggles in our lives. And so tonight, I want to talk about responding well when trouble comes our way, especially as families. And what do we as Christians do when we face stress or troubles? What's the answer? You know, I think we can all agree that we don't like trouble or stress or trials in our lives. You know, we know that trouble and stress happens to all of us, whether we're Christ followers or not. And usually when I talk about it, I always put trouble and trials along with stress in the same group because we know that when you have troubles and trials, right along coming up after that is stress. No matter how big or small that our trials or troubles may be, usually stress comes right along with it. But we as believers in Christ... Know that our troubles and our stress in life are woven into our lives by God for a greater purpose. Something greater than we can see at the moment that we're struggling through that. Um, it's something greater than what we and our finite minds can understand sometimes. But I want to tell you tonight is that we have hope in our troubles that the world does not have. And that hope is Jesus Christ. We have a hope that's eternal. And so let's go to the word of the Lord and see what he says about trouble. And we're going to be reading from James 1, 2 through 4, which is probably a passage that everybody knows and is probably memorized. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes of any kind, come your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And so we live in a culture where we think that life should be fair. You know, being a parent, we can probably all understand this, because I cannot count how many times on my hand, or both hands, or my feet, how many times I've heard one of our children say, but it's not fair, or why can't so-and-so do it? You know, anybody else have that? (laughs) You know, it's a great thing to think, but we know that in reality, life is not fair. I told pastor as I was writing this message, I said, pastor, I can't preach on this because I have no stress in my life whatsoever. (laughs) Of course, I was kidding, (laughs) but many people mistakenly think that stress and trials and troubles don't come to pastors or preachers or believers in Christ. But let me tell you, it happens to us all because we all live in this world together, and we all live in this fallen world. So I can't tell you how many times also that uh, Christy and I have you know, left the house on a Sunday morning, and we warned our children, you better behave at church, and no fighting And act like you guys like each other. We've had a lot of those conversations. Thankfully, as they get a little bit older, we don't have it as much, but it's still there. (laughs) Where we have to tell them, you know, straighten up, be good. (laughs) So trouble and stress, it definitely bothers us, and it should bother us. You know, when we love and we serve God and are doing the right thing, and then all of a sudden, bam! we face another type of trouble or something else happens that makes our stress level go up. And we think, God, this is not fair. Why is this happening to me? We think that a lot. And it's just like our kids say that to us when something they don't think is fair. But then if we look at the other side of things, and when we sin or if we do something that we know we're not supposed to do and we don't get caught, and we don't get punished for it, or if we are doing something that's contrary to God's word, and trouble and stress doesn't come our way, and we seem to get away with it, we don't yell, God, that's unfair that I got away with this. It doesn't seem to bother us then, right? But in reality, it's equal to not being fair, right? You know, have you ever found yourself speeding down the road, or not paying attention, and running a red light, or turning where it says no turn on red and there's no police officer there and you get away with it? Do you ever think to yourself, boy, I really wish that there was a police officer sitting there so that he or she could write me a ticket for something I just did? We don't ever say that, right? No. I'm sure that we're glad that there was no police officer there because we just did something dumb. You know, but if the police officer was there and they did write you a ticket, we would say, why is this happening to me? I don't have the extra money to pay for this. No, we usually just go on our way and we just are glad that we didn't get caught. (laughs) So getting back to the text in his book, James is writing at this time to the scattered or dispersed Jewish Christians. And being a Jewish believer in Christ at this time was very hard. And these people were suffering, and they have seen their share of trouble and stress. And they were probably asking the same questions. Why is this happening to us? We're following Jesus. Or they might have been saying, this is not fair. Why why is this happening? And so right away, James is trying to encourage them. And so the first thing that James says is that, we will have troubles. And so he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, and so we know that suffering is a part of the world and we have to face it and not run from it. You know, James doesn't say if trouble comes your way. He says when trouble comes your way. He's telling them to expect it. Jesus also said something similar in John 16, He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So we will have trouble. We will have trials. And we experience trials and troubles all the time, whether it's something that's financially, whether it's spiritual in our family or in our careers, we will run into some type of trouble sometime. And Jesus makes the promise that we can, during these times of stress, we can have peace. And that peace is found only in him because he is the one who overcame the world. You know, the world searches everywhere for inner peace. I think you can watch some websites and they say for 1995. I'll give you inner peace. And you can call a number or you, you know, people look, they turn to drugs and alcohol and medication. They turn to other people or other gods or idols for that peace. But they don't have to search because in the midst of the storms of life in this fallen world, there's only one way to have true inner peace. And that's not depending on ourselves or other things or other people, But it's only possible with a relationship with Jesus Christ. James tells us also that we will have trouble of any kind. So he's not being specific in any type of trouble or trials that may be happening. He's just saying that if you have any kind of troubles, so the trouble might be something small, like when you have a leaky faucet, or if our children don't clean up after themselves or if we get stuck in a traffic jam because 75 is down to one lane. And then when you go on to telegraph, everybody's going there, and you're saying, I need to get to work. Why is this happening to me? Those are small troubles that we face. You know, because Michigan does have that state flower of the orange cones that we see all the time. And so those are the small troubles But sometimes we run into the bigger troubles, like a bad report from the doctor or a lifelong sickness or some type of ailment or financial devastation or problems or work or home problems, the death of a loved one. All of those are big problems and troubles and trials that we face. And so that's why James is saying, with any of these trials, my brothers and sisters, when they come your way, and sometimes some other translations might say fall. So when something falls in your lap, because a lot of times that stuff comes unexpectedly, right? I mean, I don't know anybody that's gone out and looking for trouble. You know, I don't know anybody that says, oh, you know, I hope that when I get home tonight that my basement's going to flood. We don't ever hear anything like that. We don't, we don't look for trouble, but unfortunately, trouble does look for us, right? And so sadly, also in our stress in life, The culture puts a lot of pressure on families today, Christian families. They want us to violate the word of God. And we're being bombarded by the media and movies and TV shows and commercials more than ever, trying to normalize unbiblical, sinful things that continue to erode the family structure that God instituted in his word. And so that begins to put a lot of stress on us, and it brings trouble to our hearts to see the way that our society is attacking families. You know, we begin to hear things like, you better get on the right side of history, or it's okay, because everybody's doing it. But I remember when I was a kid, and I wanted to do something that my friends were doing, and my mom would always say, well, if everybody wanted to go jump off a bridge, would you? (laughs) And I would say, no, of course not. So we, as Christian families need to make an impact in our world for Christ. And we need to keep our families rooted in the word of God and not compromise. But in the midst of all the stress, we can take heart because as I said, Jesus overcame the world. You see, Jesus knew that the days were coming for his disciples and that they would be facing many trials, trouble, and stress in their lives. He wanted them to be ready for what would be the most challenging time for them that they would ever face. And so he was explaining to them and to us how they could endure the troubles in this life, how they could respond well to the trials and troubles that they would face. Because it's through his death and resurrection on the cross that he overcame the world. And he defeated all of our anxieties. He defeated all of our stresses He defeated our sin and our temptation. He took our troubles and our trials, our sorrow and death on the cross. And because Christ overcame the world, we too can overcome the world in him. And that's good news. We see all throughout God's word what that trouble did come to those that trusted in the Lord. We see it all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, all throughout God's word. And actually, James speaks about uh, one of them in James 5.11. He talks about Job, which if you think about stress and troubles and trials, most of the time, that's the first person that people think about is Job. And so James says, We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. So Job had a really good life. And then all of a sudden, just like I said, bam, out of nowhere, a series of horrible trouble and trials and stress came upon him and his family. And we read a conversation between God and Satan. And God told Satan that Job was one of the finest and blameless. And he was a man of integrity who feared the Lord. And Satan responded, and this is my interpretation, give me a break, God. Let me take a crack at him. And so he did. God allowed the devil to bring troubles and trials and suffering to Job. And though, and though he had all of this, Job responded well to his troubles, didn't he? And he said in Job one twenty two, it says, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. What a great way to to respond to trouble. I read somewhere once that character is not made in crisis. It's only revealed. Think about that. So many times when our faith is tested with a trial or trouble, it's so easy to just walk away and just run from it. But a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. This is why it's very important that we don't put our faith in other people or in institutions or in things of this world, but that we put our faith in Jesus Christ because only he is the one that can sustain us in our trials and our troubles. This is why Paul can confidently say in 2 Corinthians, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And so when we feel the comfort of God in our trials and our troubles, we let him comfort us, and then we can in turn comfort others. And so we know as passionate followers of Christ, we will have trouble in this world. We're not immune from it. We all have mortgages, we all have car payments, vacations to pay for, families, But James is saying that the stress is all a part of our daily life, but he doesn't say that we just have to deal with it. He doesn't say anything without offering hope. And what does he say? He says, take it as an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you, but many times that I'm under the stress that I find myself in sometimes or trouble, the last thing I feel is joy. But this is what James says that we should consider. I can imagine these believers sitting around James and hearing his words, and he starts out by calling them "Brothers and sisters," and they get excited about it, and they say, "Yes, we are your brothers and sisters, James. Go on, go on." And then when James starts, you know saying, "When troubles come your way of any kind," and they're sitting there listening and saying, "Yeah, yeah, okay, go on, yep, yeah, we have troubles. Go ahead." And then he says, consider it an opportunity of great joy. How do you think they would have felt? (laughs) Really, James? Great joy? That's what you got for us? Can you imagine if I told one of my kids, say, Daniel, if I said, Daniel, you did wrong, and I'm going to punish you, and you're going to be grounded for a week, but consider it great joy. (laughs) I'm sure that would go over very well. But Peter similarly wrote, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Wonderful joy is what Peter says here. Peter says to be very glad at these trials because it makes you a partner with Christ in his suffering. Peter's not saying that believers will sacramentally or mystically join Christ's suffering, but we share in the same type of suffering, which is the suffering for righteousness' sake. And it's based on our obedience to Jesus. And so we also see in Acts 5.41, we read that the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. So it was a privilege for them to be associated with Jesus in his suffering no matter the circumstances, even though the trials and the troubles and the shame and even being beaten. And so this should challenge each and every one of us to be as followers of Christ to continue in being joyful in our circumstances, not a joyful that happy about it, but seeing the end result of it. Um, Charles Spurgeon uh, spoke of this kind of bold heart when he said, now I charge every Christian here to be speaking boldly in Christ's name according as he has opportunity and especially to take care of his tendency of our flesh to be afraid, which leads practically to endeavors to get off easily and to save ourselves from trouble Fear not, be brave for Christ, live bravely for him who died lovingly for you. So we are to live bravely for Christ each and every single day of our lives, no matter the circumstances. We can also respond well to troubles when we evaluate our troubles with a biblical lens. James then says in verse 3, For you know, that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So one way that we can evaluate our troubles with a biblical lens is to always trust God through our troubles. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. So many times when we're stressed out or going through troubles, we tend to look at other people or other things or even ourselves, which is not always bad, but since our trust is not in our own understanding, we should first trust in the Lord and completely rely upon God's promises. We should completely rely about God's wisdom, His power, and His love because He alone will help us in every circumstance that we face. In Psalm 46, 1 and 2, it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. So this is a wonderful promise that we can hold on to because so many of our troubles and trials that turn into stress, they seem like earthquakes. They seem like things that the whole world is crashing down around us sometimes. But this is when we need the Lord the most. And this is when he is our refuge and our strength. And it's in these times that we should listen to the Lord as he says, be still, I got this, lay your burden on me. So James says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So what does this mean? Test our faith and grow our endurance. I think of endurance as someone who's running a race. You know, they have that endurance or stamina to finish the race no matter what the obstacles that comes in their way. When I think about faith being tested, I don't always think about testing as we think it being a bad thing. Um, for instance, I grew up in Dearborn, and growing up in Dearborn, I would always, my family would always take us to Greenfield Village. We always had yearly passes. We would go there all the time, and we even take our children there sometimes too. And so I remember when I was a kid I remember going to Greenfield Village and I remember always being fascinated with the blacksmith. I don't know if anybody saw the blacksmith there where he would take a piece of metal and he would heat it up in the in the in the heat in the stove and it would get really heated up. And it's just a piece of metal and it would be he's testing that metal and stressing it, you know, and as silly as it sounds, Imagine that you're that piece of metal that the blacksmith is working with. You know, in order for this metal to be workable, you know, it has to be tested by the fire and it must go through a process of purification. And this is a very intense process, and it's fascinating to watch this blacksmith just take this piece of metal and just start working on it. And so something that is just a piece of metal now starts having potential to be something that's useful. And it's during these intense testing that the, the metal, I mean, it wouldn't understand why it's going through this. It's not saying, you know, it's probably saying, you know, if it could, say, why, am I, why is this guy putting me in this fire? And why is he hammering me with this hammer? He doesn't understand it. You know, um, it wouldn't understand all of this. But the blacksmith that's hammering this and shaping it, you know, even though it's not a pleasant experience for the metal to be going through this, it's the blacksmith that knows that this piece of metal has potential to be something useful. You know, when this metal is just a piece of metal sitting on a table, it's just a piece of metal. But when the blacksmith takes it and he tests it by fire and he makes it into something like a sword or a bowl or a cup or something that somebody can use and be useful or a hammer, you know, all this piece of metal knows is that this blacksmith is doing his job here in molding it into something useful, as much as painful as the process would be. And so it's just like that piece of metal's job is just to be molded by that blacksmith. Our job is to let God do his work in us, as painful as the testing and the trouble and the trials seem to be, because he makes us useful for his will and for his kingdom. And so God's ultimate purpose is to make us strong, useful instruments for his glory. When we go through these times of trouble, it's okay to say, I'm not enjoying this, but I know that God is with me and that he will use this time in my life to make me perfect and complete in him. And I can focus on Jesus and I can focus on the results of the trouble and not the trouble itself. And so some, say, some of the translations say steadfast. So we have steadfast and endurance. Um, and actually in the Greek, it means to remain or to be underneath, remain underneath. So we're to remain underneath, which carries like refusing to give up. We're refusing to give up for the troubles and the trials that we have in our life. It's kind of like a military term of bravery and calmness no matter what happens. And we're not yielding and losing that territory. So we don't stop following Jesus because life gets hard because there's nowhere else to go. There's no one else to turn to. If you remember, Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words to eternal life. There's no one else that we can go to. There's no one else that we can cling to for our troubles. It's only Jesus because he's proven to us to be faithful over and over again. And this is true, too, with many parents or husbands or wives that have to endure unpleasant or difficult things in our lives. You know, the key is that we need to endure it. We need to keep moving forward, even in the difficult, unpleasant, and sometimes painful seasons in our lives. When our endurance has a chance to grow, James says, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And so as we continue to look, we know that this is active endurance. It's actively not being passive about it, but to keep enduring, to keep moving on. The author of Hebrews wrote in chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses of, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Let's, let us actively run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So we're continuing to go forward. We're continuing to move forward in our faith. You know, we as passionate followers of Christ, we need to continue to run the race of faith, no matter what the circumstances. Just as a runner, we'll just continue to finish the race, even if it's painful. You know, we continue to grow in our faith. We're not giving up. We move from being a spiritual infant to a spiritual toddler into a spiritual mature adult. You know, just as it's a beautiful sight to watch our children go from a cute infant to a sometime cute teen into adulthood, you know, our spiritual growth in Christ is beautiful just like that as we continue to move forward in our faith. And so God is at work in our lives and that's why we can count it all as joy. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So God uses all of our experiences, both good and bad, to make us look more like Jesus and to help us grow spiritually into becoming spiritual, mature adults. This promise is for those who love God in the biblical understanding of love, and God manages the affairs of our lives because we're called according to his purpose. God wants us to develop perseverance as we face troubles. He wants us to endure, to keep enduring. And when we look at verse 12 in James 1, we see that the endurance produces something for us. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So God will bless us when we patiently endure the testing. The only way to develop patience is to go through and endure and keep enduring the trials. And the crown of life symbolizes victory. It's seen several times in the word of God. We're victorious in him. When we endure, it means that we have an end goal to our troubles and our trials and our stress. We don't want to choose the path of surrender because that's Satan's plan for us, not God's. Satan wants us to fall into temptation, Satan wants us to go through these troubles. In James 1 5, it tells us if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When we're going through trouble, we tend to pray for God to deliver us from this trouble instead of asking him for wisdom in the trouble. We should ask him for the wisdom to in the trouble, not to get out of the trouble. You know, we usually ask, Lord, how can I get out of this? Rather, Lord, what can, I get, what can I get out of this? So we should take these times and embrace it as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to move forward in our walk with the Lord. We can endure and press on, as James says in verse 4, to let our endurance grow and fully develop and become complete. One reason that we can see that James is not speaking of material things when he talks about our endurance having a perfect result through and do a thorough work in us is because in James 2.5 he says, even those who are poor, in other ways, can be rich in faith. So we can be rich in faith and lack nothing. So it doesn't mean that there's going to be absence of trial or trouble. It just means that the maturity and faith to endure the trouble when it comes, because God is on our side and we can keep enduring and we can endure the difficulties in life as we look forward to Christ's return. And so all of that, we can fully understand that we are not alone in our sufferings and our troubles. We have God's promises to never leave us or forsake us. That's in Hebrews and Deuteronomy. We have our past experiences of trusting God with our past troubles and our stresses. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us to bring us comfort. We have our church family and other believers that help us through the rough times, especially those that have gone through the same thing that you're going through. And we have our families to lean on. Many times it's hard to face these troubles, stress, and trials in our lives. And many times we ask God during these times, are you really working through this suffering? But we know that he is. But when we're mature in our faith and we remember that the perfect example of someone facing trouble in trials and enduring it, is Jesus. Jesus endured many trials. He was tempted by Satan. He was betrayed by those whom he called friends and those that he came to save. He was attacked for loving others and forgiving sinners. He was abandoned by his friends. He was put on a cross and sacrificed for our sins and suffered the wrath of God. But in his suffering and death that led to his glorious resurrection and the salvation of all that call upon the name of, of the Lord. And it's through his perfect example of enduring trouble, trials, and pain and suffering that we too can overcome and face our troubles. It reminds me of a story about Peter. If you remember Peter's story when they were in a boat and Jesus was walking on water and they saw him and they were scared. They thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Peter, not fully convinced, said to him, Lord, if this is really you, tell me to come to you And walk on the water with you. And so Jesus told Peter to come. And Peter came and he walked on the water, walking towards Jesus. But then the trouble started coming to Peter. And it came unexpectedly. And he began to focus on the storm and the waves that came. And he began to focus on the trouble that he was in. And because he was focusing on the trouble and the storms and not focusing on Jesus, he started to sink. And he yelled out, save me, Lord. He cried out, save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and pulled him to safety. You see, when trouble comes to us, my friends, we already know that it will. And the danger is not so much in the trouble that we face or the trial itself, but it's where we fix our eyes during the trouble that we face. We can either fix our eyes on the troubles and the trials and the stress that we're in, and we can sink or we can place our eyes firmly and focus on Jesus. And as he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And so Jesus stood above Peter who was sinking, and he picked him up, and he brought him back into the boat. Jesus will be right there with us during our troubles and trials and suffering. Will you let him pull you out of the water and bring you back into the boat? And so I wanted to quickly, because I'm running out of time here, Actually, I ran out of time. I want to quickly go through three um, growth works for you. Um, And if you remember, when I was a kid, I remember this all the time. The trained people always had stop, look, and listen. You remember that? It was for our safety. And so the first thing I say is to stop. Stop. Take time to rest. God made us to rest in him. In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence in your strength. Stop running from God and start running to him. Take time to stop and read God's word. Don't be in such a rush. We live in a world that is such in a rush, and everybody wants to just keep going and going and going. And so sometimes it's time for us to just stop and rest in the Lord and read his word. The second thing is look. Read God's word. Look to the Lord. Get your eyes off the troubles and your stress and get them on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Spending time with God and his Word is essential. It's important for us to have Bible studies and devotions with our kids. And so if we want to continue to grow as Christians, this is what we should do. And the third and last thing is listen. Listen to God. Turn your prayers from a monologue into a dialogue. Prayer is essential when we're responding to trouble. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Never stop praying. And then finally, borrow strength from other believers. This is why we have small groups here at Woodland. It's important for you to, to contact us if you want to fit in there. We have small groups for every walk of life. We have for families and everything else. So borrow strength from other believers. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and thank you for your word. I pray that you continue to grant us peace of mind in the midst of our troubles and our stress. I pray that you give us strength when we feel like we have no more strength. I pray now for all of those who are walking through various trials and troubles right now, Lord. I pray that they would remember how much you love them and how much you care for them and that they're not alone and that you are in control of all things and that nothing is out of your control and that you can be trusted to work all things out for your purpose. And I pray also, Lord, that even in these times of trouble and trials that many are facing, that we can find joy not in the troubles and trials, but through the troubles and trials, and that our joy is not found in our circumstances, but our joy is found in you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, Amen. amen, amen. Thank you all, and thank you all for watching, and have a great night.